Welcome to season six of my podcast. I'm violinist and composer Hannah Wilmer, and each week I will talk to you about a different subject to do with my life, my work, and what it's really like being a working musician and creative. Hello, we've reached episode nine of the podcast and today I'm going to do a few roundups or things that I've spoken about over this season and then also bring you some news and updates, personal news and updates, not stuff to do with music so much. So first of all, I'm enjoying a glass of wine on It's the Pink Moon right now. Um, it's a big thing this year because the pink moon is actually going to be pink. So I've got really into um, the full moons um, and so have my neighbours. So how that came about was um, there was a really big moon near like December, the last moon of the year in December 2022. And I googled it because it was so beautiful and it was called the beaver moon. And I was like, that's such a weird name. And I never knew this. And maybe you don't know this or maybe you do, but it turns out that each moon in the year, every year, each moon comes in a cycle. So um, there's the worm moon has just gone, and this is the pink moon, and they come in the same pattern each year. And um, what I found really, in, and my neighbours are really into this as well, so I've given them the list as well. But what's really interesting is that when you look at the ancient people from all over the world, they, they did this and this is how they kind of marked time and I found it really handy because it's so true so I knew the pink moon was coming up and it's called the pink moon because this is the moon where all the blossom comes out and leading up to this pink moon I'm looking around there's so much pink blossom in my garden I'm like yes it is a pink moon but today it's also a pink moon because in some areas of the world not mine but in North America there's a solar eclipse happening so the moon's actually supposedly looking pink so i'm sitting here with a nice glass of wine talking to you on the pink moon but that leads me nicely into the first thing i'm going to talk about of the podcast today so i've spoken about it before i think on the podcast but these are things i've included it started off probably through lockdowns and stuff you know just i didn't mean to i didn't consciously reassess my life but gave me a bit more time to work on things that would enhance my life a bit more so these are things I've added into my life and it's a lot to do with nature and going a little bit backwards as well which I'm always comfortable with even as a child honestly take me to a stately home and I just my sister wanted to be in the gift shop and I wanted to be on a windowsill somewhere in a stately home or take me to a field and I, I just I was a cheap child just take me somewhere and I'll make myself at home as long as it's outdoors or in something old. And I'm the same today. So, um, what has really... It started off with the equinoxes. I added the equinox into my calendar. And I, I really like that because um, the equinoxes and the solstices, I added them to my calendar because they helped me through the winter. When we hit the winter solstice and to celebrate it, not just go, oh, that's the winter solstice, but we always now go out for a pub meal or, or a really nice restaurant so it's somewhere quite old-fashioned and hearty in the winter solstice we go somewhere really warm with an open fire and we have a really nice meal and that helps me you know like a nice celebration that we, we've done it we're halfway through this horrible time of the year and I do the equinoxes as well but into that now add in the moon cycles um the moons, like, so the worm moon was about the worms come back to the surface and everything, they've stopped hibernating, and it really actually, in a, I only did it to get me through the winter really, but we're now living in a time where we micromanage our lives down to the second, and in years, bygone years, they used to be a bit more patient, so before everyone had a clock hundreds of years ago they really kind of managed time more on a kind of warm well, I'll meet you at midday midday will be when the sun's in the sky but you know you could sit around if you was meeting someone for an hour waiting for him because there was no now we're like I'll meet you at one o'clock and it's like 101 and everyone's like where are they and so I like um I still do work 
in a modern world kind of thing. I'm always on time for meetings and stuff. Obviously, I live in the world we live in. But for me to mark the time on a more macro instead of micro level, that really gives me a calming effect. And I love this stuff, actually. Um, it's stuff... I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if this is not for you, I'm not for one second suggesting that everyone should do this. But this is stuff that actually just fits naturally with me from a child so it works out really well and another thing I'm doing is foraging now this is a new thing and it all I've never I've always been fascinated with those documentaries you know if you see a documentary on tv and it shows someone you know a forager and these experts who can find truffles and stuff I do quite like that but I've never had an urge to for forage actually saying that I used to actually quite like blackberry yeah okay there's a slight urge it's there and it's in the background of my brain but I'm not raised in a family of foragers we're a supermarket shopper my parents are very you know um first um sort of buy their first home move up go to the supermarket everything in plastic kind of thing and I'm just like I don't know the black sheep I, I just want to roll in mud outside as a kid um but the neighbors our retired neighbors who live next door they were speaking, I think they spoke to the boy about um, as they used to take their children foraging for mushrooms and they're pretty good at it. Now that's one and I bet at home you're thinking, mm mm mm. And I bet you saw some of my Instagram videos like, no, don't do that. Because it's something, if you don't know what you're doing, you should not do that. And so they gave us a foraging book, but I still don't, I don't trust my eyes enough. So they told us in the I pointed to the ones in the book that are most common and um, puffballs in the UK. They're not the best flavour, but they're really easy to find because they, they're the only mushrooms on earth that look like a puffball. They're actually a ball of puff. And they're not like, you know, they're not the sought after ones in restaurants and stuff, but they're edible, they're easy. So puffballs were what we first foraged for in the local area. And um, then every time we got them, we'd come back with our little basket and we'd show next door just to make sure before before we cook them, like, are these poisonous? No, they're not. They're, they're all puffballs. That's fine. And then things like button mushrooms and, oh, I can't remember. It's been a while since. I've only done it once, like autumn to winter. Um, what's Quite a lot of the chestnut, quite a lot of the common ones. And we'd always take him to next door. And one time we came across another guy who, when was out, and he was helping us out. But we, we always go to people who are reasonably expert in it and run it by them. But it's, it's enjoyable in so many ways. Number one, I get to walk the dog. Number two, it gives you a real sense of satisfaction, like you've achieved something. Um, pre then I was gardening and growing my own vegetables and that gave me a sense of satisfaction but this is like one upmanship from that like you've gone out with nothing you've come back with it's real sort of hunter-gatherer kind of feeling to it but also it's a nice walk we when we forage we don't com, com, like completely commit to foraging we go places with the mush where we believe there are mushrooms and we have a nice woodland walk and a chat with the dog and keep our eyes out for a mushroom and if we see one we compare it to the book and if we believe it's right we cut it and we put it in the basket and then we take it to people who know more about us so that's how we started and you saw I think if you're on my Instagram or social media you would have seen me foraging quite a bit in um in in the autumn to winter time well, I started wanting to take this a step further and I started Googling, like we live literally three three sides of my county are touching seawater and it's a big thing, um, like um, shacks in the area, wooden shacks selling fresh seafood cooked ready uh, on ice ready to eat seafood it's a big thing in Essex is big snack or platters I spoke about this I think in my concert maybe um so I was like well can we get our own seafood how easy is it I also want to fish eventually one day sea fish but um I've never done that I've never been raised that way but I looked into it and you can try to catch mussels near where I am and that wasn't very successful I think I put pictures up 
but I read more Canvey Island very near me that has a lot of muscles so we went there we did not get any muscles but we did get winkles which I think you call them in the rest of the world periwinkles we call them winkles for short maybe um, and in North America apparently they're not native to North America so you may never have heard them they're tiny little crustaceans um, in shells they're like a conch that you can get in the Caribbean but tiny like like your fingernail and you boil them up and, and stuff like that um, but I've realized another another side effect to foraging that's really cool is when there's news and news and news about cost of living and how much everything costs and energy bills are going up and supermarket price you go to and all the stuff you read in the press like tomatoes aren't in the supermarket and you can't get eggs i actually went to a supermarket today and all the eggs were gone crazy i normally go to the farm shop i just needed to do a big shop and it's the supermarket is closer than the farm shop because i've got a specific one that's not in my village it's a bit over it's near my gym um and there's no eggs there um which is good anyway i don't like supermarket eggs because i'm very fussy about where they come from how the animals are treated so um but with all this news and empty and, and all the fright in the world about how much it costs just to live there's something really empowering about the fact that we um we mainly live if you don't live in a city like 90% of the stuff around you is edible it's just we've lost the skill to work out what is edible so it's really I don't I'm not planning to live my whole life like you know like all my food is foraged food it's like a once it's a treat like going to a posh restaurant but it's a treat it's a day out to actually do it and it also reminds you about the hunter-gatherer mentality of like how much it, it actually it, it makes you appreciate food like how much work goes into gathering that food but it also gives me a bit of empowerment i made a joke on instagram about like i'll be great in an apocalypse i can find food but um it's we don't spend the whole day it's not like a real like tactical wearing like camouflaging it's not that kind of thing it's it's really enjoying and taking pictures of the sea and also looking for the things we're supposed to look for and we also have backup food in, in like the house we have food to eat but it's nice if we can add that to our dish once in a while i've done mushroom foraging we did about once a week with the dog in autumn time and i've tried it twice with the seafood and um was successful once but doing that it gives you a real like you know like all this scare like i i can find food it's not a problem it's it really lowers anxiety levels about what's going on in the press there i can you know food is abundant um I mean, literally, this is why this island was so heavily invaded by my people, the people before that, the people after that, you know, because it's, and it's an island that has a lot of stuff to offer. I mean, yeah, it's in a modern world, it's not a sunbathing, it's not, it's not the Caribbean, but in an old-fashioned world, you don't die on the island. And then finally, I wanted to point out also another thing where I think it's really a cool idea to forage for shellfish or get back into sea fishing in Essex. It's because when I grew up in Essex, um, they were dumping raw sewage into the Thames and the mouth of the Thames. So the mouth of the Thames are the closest beaches to me. So they're facing out to sea, but they also face the other side of the river, you know? it's that's kind of where i am i'm in salt water but in the terms one of the edges of essex is actually full-blown sea facing holland um but you have to travel a bit further from where i am to that um so much so that when i would go for a day out to sea if we was going to the seaside with my mum, then we would we weren't allowed to touch the sea like all mums like don't go near the sea we weren't allowed to go in the sea we'd play on the sand and we'd build sand castles and we'd do all the beachy stuff with candy floss and all stuff like that donuts and roller skate around but we would not ever 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 touch the sea and i always looking back think 
but we were on the sand and when the tide comes in it puts all that sewage didn't like it's still not that hygienic is it? but that's what we used to do so there's this kind of from the older generations of Essex and what I grew up with so my mum's generation and also what I grew up with there's a thing about not going near that water now if you go up in actually yeah when I was in youth orchestra oh my god the most gross experience so Clacton that is actually on CC, but I was in youth orchestra and we had a residential course in Clacton and we were all frolicking, we were allowed quite a bit of freedom and we were frolicking on sea, I was about 13 or 14 and I was, I was like mucking around going, oh my god, there's all this like foam and I was like, it's sea foam and I picked it up and sniffed it and then we looked back and it was coming out of a sewage pipe. Ugh. How am I not radioactive right now? That was gross. No one, like, they should have warned us about that. <laughs> Naive. Um, so there is a thing, you know, that we would not go, the Thames was absolutely polluted. All the seas around Essex were pretty much polluted. And um, it wasn't a good place. But there's been so much legislation and so much has passed that now the Thames is one of the cleanest rivers in the whole of um, Europe and the seas around Essex are extremely clean so much so that you know that um, California thing of sea swimming and how beneficial it is for you it's become an Essex thing and I actually um, I admire slash hate the people do this they, they wear wetsuits they swim in the sea no matter the temperature every day so it's always clean living stuff and you go out and you swim in the sea. I, I am not for that. I admire them and semi-hate them for their pep. They get up like first thing and as the sun is rising over the sea, they go out in their wetsuits like Christmas Day. It's like, oh, no. Um, I would do that in the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> that's something I wouldn't do. But the sea is really, really clean. But we've lost the skill of what Essex people used to do, which is go out, get cockles, fish in the sea and eat the fish. Essex people generally catch, if they are fishers, fisher people, what do you call those, fishermen? You know, if their hobby is fishing, they will go out, catch a fish and then throw it back in. And so we've lost that complete skill and it's like, it's such a resource on the Essex coastlines. And the sea is really clean and it's really safe now. And so, yeah, bringing that back a bit. Um, I was going to talk more about things I add to my life, but I'm on 17 minutes, so I'm going to move on with the podcast. So... My next thing I was going to talk about today is I spoke about weight gain and how it's not always a bad thing according to all the scientific data when I gained four I think it was four pounds of weight it was pure muscle and it made me healthier but it changes the way you think about your body because um, I come from a perspective where I've never done a diet in my life Um, I tend to fluctuate monthly but stay around like a a core base <laughs> and um that's where I stay I I try not to and I work at it whenever I tend to fight against it whenever someone talks about my weight I've been told I'm underweight at some points I've been told I'm overweight at some points and I tend to like not listen to that um mainly because and also body track reaffirms that because it tells me I'm practically, it's like Mary Poppins tape measure. It's like you're practically perfect in every way. But it, four pounds of weight gain, I, I don't really, I've always just sort of stayed around my sort of core and I can gain a pound or lose a pound depending where it is the month or my water retention. I presume it's that until body tracks. It tells me exactly where it is. But four pounds in a week is a lot of weight gain. So um, that's why I brought it up on that podcast because it turns out it was good weight gain and it was accidental as well yeah I was exercising and stuff but it wasn't particularly yeah I wasn't trying I'm not like going for bodybuilder of the year or anything it wasn't that wasn't my aim 
it was just accidental. And then I looked into it. Is that bad if you gain four pounds of muscle? But apparently it was good. So I'll update you. Was it, you remember at the time, I wasn't sure if it was just like a anomaly in the readings and stuff like that. Or did that actually happen? So since gaining that four pound of muscle, I have had COVID. So I was pretty sure that I, I wanted to weigh myself the next week and then see if it was just an anomaly. But two weeks had passed and I had COVID. So most likely I'm going to have muscle wastage anyway. And there will be some weight loss due to COVID. Eating less, not exercising a lot. There's going to be so I expecting muscle wasted, wastage and a bit of um, weight loss. So I couldn't see if it was an anomaly. When I weighed myself... I had lost four pounds so I'm like okay so that will be the muscle that I gained I lost um, and then when I go into now normally I don't look at the weight gain as too much but obviously I was interested this time but when I went into muscle this is the weird thing what has changed I gained point eight eight of a pound so almost a pound of muscle throughout my i did try to do some exercise but not a lot but i gained muscle so I'm like so where is this weight loss from then it's probably water and probably dehydrated from covid um i lost four and a half pounds of fat i'm presuming i gained some in water then let's <laughs> oh no i gained some i gained some in muscle didn't i um but yeah so that completely changed everything body trucks are loving me because i've lost fat and gained muscle now um i gained some leg muscle score leg muscle i think we went into before because that means i'm less likely to have diabetes and stuff like that um my metabolic age is still 24 years old in it that's why i get id'd <laughs> But, um, and everything's gone up. So now my physique score, it was eight before. This is the only thing I'm worried about. So my physique score was eight before, which is slim muscular. And now I'm considered very muscular. I don't know how I feel about that. And that's two weeks of COVID did that to me. I don't know. I mean, it's telling me, the body tracks is telling me I'm doing well. I'm healthier than before. But I personally don't like an overly muscly physique. So, um, I personally just like things to look all like nice and fresh. And so if it gets too bad, maybe I'll, I don't know, eat less protein or something. I'm not doing loads of exercise, but I will admit I do do a lot of the weight machines because it, I get to sit down with them. So, hmm, should I run on the treadmill? Um, I like, I like yoga class and stuff, but if I'm going to spend time in the gym, I'd rather do the weight machines because I get to sit down and that's quite fun. Um, but here's the downside. So I wanted to give you, it's not all upside. So I've lost fat, gained muscle. Um, oh, also another upside is um, despite losing overall weight, my BMR, which is how many calories I burn, like per day, just like from like laying in my, if I was to lay in my bed all day, today I burn an extra 12 calories because of even losing weight because normally if you lose weight you have to you know but because of it's the muscle stuff I've gained 12 calories which is cool eat more I can eat an extra 12 calories that'll be like half a carrot or something um but you've got to balance all this up because my cellular integrity has gone down so I was at six, my score was six, and now it's 5.8. And when you look into that, that's like basically what keeps me looking young forever. Um, it's, I don't know, what would that look? Why is it important? developing disease and stuff so my cellular integrity which basically is how my cells renew themselves has gone down i looked into it and if you lose weight your cellular in integrity has gone down so you've got to ask yourself haven't you what would you rather do fight off diabetes or keep looking young forever 
I'm a woman. I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. It's very, very, I mean, I won't get stuck on this forever, but I thought I'd give you those results um, that that's happened. So apparently I have gained muscle mass, but I think I've done it completely accidentally. Um, now lost um, fat. Overall, heart health is better. Overall, and by the way, none of this I'm trying to do. It's not like I'm on some fitness fad or anything it's just like slight tweaks these are probably minuscule tweaks and if you looked on it let me just put oh sorry final thing as well um so what's really cool about this you can compare yourself to the average person of your age and height and everything see what you are so if i do the compare um let me just see i'll do um like so my fat percentage right now is, wait a second, fat, don't we love that word? I'm 21% fat, which puts me into, um, I, if I go down to 19, I'm under, I'm under fat so I'm I'm just above that and I mean to sort of um, athlete kind of thing and then if I compare that to people of my age and height so I'm 21% fat and the average person is 29% fat and I weigh 29 pounds of fat which is basically two stone of fat and the average person my height is 41 pounds of fat. Oh, woman. Um, I believe it's, yeah, it's gender, height, age, and everything like that. Um, and then if you, but yeah, you could go on all day. I think you shouldn't get obsessed with it, though. So maybe I'll stop now. But that is the update of the body tracks. The body tracks, basically, um, it's, I think it's a good tool. But it has told me that I've got more muscle. I've lost weight, but I've lost weight in fat, which isn't a bad thing. Apart from, it means potentially I will age faster than when I had more fat and less muscle. So, um, I will probably put this in the questions. What should I do? What's the best thing? You know, get rid of the muscle. Get the fat back on. And stay looking, keep on getting ID'd for alcohol for a few more years. Or stay this way and not get diabetes and heart disease i don't know it's a difficult one isn't it why can't we have it all and the final thing i'm talking about today i don't talk about loads of personal stuff but only stuff i'm comfortable with and this one is, I tend to not talk about too many struggles either. I just don't want to put, push my struggles onto everyone else. But I'm talking about this because I think it's important for people to know. It's very, so, well, it's a big thing in the UK. British gas, um, gas prices, electricity. British gas also, they run electricity. They have a um, monopoly on it prices have gone out of control people are paying unbelievable prices for electricity and gas um it's doubled pretty much and uh, we're told it's because of the ukrainian war or because of europe or whatever but british gas have made a profit of billions this year um so that's what we're working under um i have had a problem with british gas the electricity bill and I took it to the ombudsman, which is a pre-court thing. It's basically like a, a governing body that oversees electricity and, and um, suppliers of electricity, gas, water and stuff like that, make sure they're acting fairly. I've heard, it's, we're all told it's really hard to win an ombudsman case. You should, you know, is it worth doing? No one wins this stuff. Um, and I'm telling you because I won and I'm I'm probably gonna put something out publicly on social media at some point happy to help people out because 
no one you can look online there's no help whatsoever about how to do it no one knows how to do it how many times in your life do you do an ombudsman case so i didn't know but we won and we're very very pleased about that and i'll tell you a bit more about it you may know a little bit about it you may know a bit more but i'll tell you a bit about it so back in october when the prices went up uh for electricity well for all all things electricity gas and everything our my household electricity bill went up to 400 pounds a month that's not including gas and that's not including the recording studio or anything just my household personal usage um in the uk we don't have air conditioning we have gas central heating so we don't it's not including any air con like usage like in america um it's just general day-to-day running of it so and in addition to that i live very moderately in electricity consumption compared to most households because i live in the countryside so i don't have a dishwasher i don't use my tumble dryer um there's not many people in my house so it's not like it's not like student accommodations or shared accommodations where we're all charging and got a tv and rooms and stuff it's not a lot of people here um I have one TV in my whole house, um, and we make use of the Economy 7 tariff in the UK, where there's a really cheap night rate going from 11pm to like 7am, and then a dearer day rate. So we have lots of stuff on timers, so we have our washing machine start running in the middle of the night on a timer. We um, charge our devices overnight and stuff like that um and so it's a really really high fee for using barely any electricity um away from saving electricity bills i've always just wanted to live like that as soon as i moved away from my parents they were kind of more i had a tv in my room as a kid and everything and i always felt that i went before the technology boom when i moved out from my parents i wanted to live more naturally so i've always done it that way and some people will one up me and be like we don't even have a tv in our house but i do um but backstory um i've been complaining to my electric that my electricity is high the bill for years so i've been phoning up since moving in here really like this is unbelievable this electricity bill and basically you get nowhere they're very polite and but you get nowhere with them so i just gave up and paid what i called the fee for living in an old house that they they will not change this meter this meter is not working right even when i had a power cut for two weeks my bill was still the same so i gave up years ago um i just call it like my surfy i pay so much surcharge i pay so much more than anywhere i know and i don't have all the stuff in i live very like victorian um but when the prices went up i did contact said they took they didn't even tell me the price was going up it's direct debit they took 400 pounds out of my account i said i cannot and i went online to look and i was like i could not pay 400 pounds every month that's just impossible including like then add gas on then add studio bills on then add water bills on that's just ridiculous and i can't reduce any more other than live by candlelight like not watch the tv like i i suppose i could reduce more but it would be really dickensian if i reduced any more so i phoned him up and i said for years i've been complaining um I really think my meter's broken. I haven't pushed. Like, I've gone through months of you, like, arguing backwards and forwards, but I haven't pushed. I need to push now because you need to change the meter because I can't go on like this. And they were really polite and everything. And there's like, yes, we'll get to the bottom of this. They didn't. Keep phoning back, keep phoning back. Yes. And then they raised concerns on that person. They didn't deal with it properly. Nothing went on. Nothing went on every day they're asking you know you get this email like please read your meter and it's really hard to get to my meter it's like eight foot in the air in my hallway i have to get they they told me a good thing actually i used to have to wait for the meter readers to come around but they said just literally hold your phone up and take a picture standing on a chair and i can do it that way so i started taking pictures which comes good later on because i needed evidence um 
but they just won't do anything. They'll just basically get me to take pictures and going, yeah, no, you definitely owe us 400. It's like, yeah, I know I'm taking a picture of a meter, but it's not running correctly. But I didn't know how. I don't know how meters work and everything. Um, so on the... T- we had um a semi it was on my instagram like i was like weird it's a semi power cut where half the house had electricity and half the house didn't really weird 23rd of december i think um and then we found out there's a huge power surge in our area then we got one of their emails like please take a meter so take a picture of the meter put it into their system and then they go that's an incorrect meter reading that can't be the way and basically the night meter went backwards so it said that we owed less so basically we'd like taken away electricity from the night meter and the day meter had gone up 8,000 units or something which was like basically 50,000 pounds so we phoned them up and we said like they are the meter readings and we took a picture and sent it to them and everything we said there's a power surge and I think that's what's done it and they agreed and we said, but we think the meter's been, we've been asking for a meter change anyway, can you change it now? And they agreed to it and everything, and they said they'll change it on 28th of December, and I wrote about this all on my Instagram. 28th came around, they didn't come and change it, we phoned them up, and they were sort of quite aggressive on the phone, they're not changing the meter, and we owe money and it was like well no and they kept on hanging up on us when we said we want this meter they meter tested out and they said well yeah we'll send someone to your house um oh sorry missed out an important point so we're taking meter readings all the time up until this point and we started realizing the night meter isn't going around we look for our bills the night meter's never gone around since we lived here so then we start taking meter readings at night as the night meters should click in and then during the day and it turns out that the day meter is still going around at night so we're being charged day prices at night where we're like using so much electricity at night we're plugging everything in we're doing all our electricity uses at night and then some um because we think we're on the 19p a unit money but we're being charged day rates so we've worked out what the problem is why i've been overcharged for years so we tell them this on the phone they refuse to change our meter they keep on hanging up on us we start recording the call at this point um by the way in the uk you can record anything it's not against the law like california but we like to be polite so what we did was we know they record their calls so we phone them up and we say to them this call's being recorded, right? They said, yeah, it's like, so we're all aware, we're all in agreement, we're happy to have the call recorded. They're like, yeah. And we took that, that on the recording says that it's an agreement. Um, and they kept on hanging up on us. They would not change the meter or anything and they just refused to contact us from that point. They started sending out, you owe us all this money letters. We stay calm, we Googled it. It was like, this is fine, we can go to the ombudsman. Um, but apparently people don't win there oh stop this is going a long time so i'll start moving forward the whole thing um basically we got it to the ombudsman and we don't know how to do it we we have to basically make a statement it's like a court case but you do it over the it's all by um documents if you don't win at the ombudsman or you're unhappy with it you can then take it to court afterwards you can do further stuff but the ombudsman's basically a free way to argue and get it done and so we we had to, we googled and there's no information on how to release how to um argue for an on there's no sort of set thing or or even getting a lawyer to do it or anything there's nothing so we looked into uh, people who like court cases defending yourself or, or representing yourself in court and we did it that way um so we basically set up an argument and then we gathered all the evidence and we indexed it and then pointed where it goes to how it backs up the evidence and then weeks and weeks weeks gone by and we've won compensation we've won 
um, they're recalculating all our bills back to 2019. Apparently, British Gas don't have records before then, whatever. Um, and an apology, it doesn't mean much. And they're replacing our meter in April. <laughs> We've been asking since October. But, um, yeah, running out of time. But here um, are... So we'd never done it before. Um, but we decided to get organised. We couldn't find the advice. But we went with how to def how to represent yourself in court advice. But here's my advice to anyone. It's apparently so hard to win these things. So that's why we come i chose to speak publicly like it can be done and you know where we would have been completely i don't know bankrupt by this potentially what they were trying to do to us because they're such a powerful company they just refused to if it was anything normal like a clothes shop or anything they wouldn't act in this way but they really shut us down i mean you know since december but it's actually been going on since october We've been trying to get this meter replaced. The meter is still the same one from that was all over my Instagram in um, December. Don't have to do anything and they'll charge you whatever you want and what can you do? But we did win and we won't have to pay electricity bills for quite a while because there's quite a big credit going on our account. We've been told we can ask them to send us that money. So to get our compensation, we have to ask British Gas to credit into my bank account. We've chosen to leave the money on the British Gas account and that way we don't pay electricity for a while and that seems like a nice thing rather than spending it at the pub or whatever. Um, so these are my advices to anyone who may be facing a British Gas or anything like this and want to go for ombudsman because it's much more less advice than going to small claims court or anything. As soon as things seem problematic with the company, start gathering evidence, start recording, do things legally, but start, you know, make a file on your computer and gather all evidence. It's hard to go back afterwards and find stuff. Luckily, I'm self-employed. I gather evidence for a living because the taxman men come calling. Um, get organized. So once you start the ombudsman thing, you need to really get organized and not let it control your life or like impact on you terribly and also win have the best chance of winning so we scheduled days to work on the case and we detailed what we'd do on those days like this day we're organizing all the evidence this day we're writing this argument this um and we would work precisely on that on we'd take time out of work we'd schedule in between concerts or days off we'd schedule a court case day well it's not a court case is it we didn't go to court we'd schedule an ombudsman day ombudsman so i couldn't say them um we'd work on exactly what he needs to work on then and after that we'd switch off and we refuse to talk about it think about it or anything so it wouldn't impact our life terribly but we stayed on top of it and we got everything in on schedule. British Gas actually didn't get stuff in on schedule at all. They were completely disorganised. Um, my next thing is index your evidence and cross-reference cross it with your argument. So have a, an index of evidence and make sure you're, you, every bit of evidence you put in. Don't just like, because I think a lot of people do, just like throw this may be relevant, there's this, there's this, there's a bill there, There's don't just throw it on the system, there's a computer system you upload it to, but make your own index where you're cross-referencing what, what your evidence is, you're making sure in your own mind it is relevant and you're showing the people who are sort of the judiciaries on your case why the ev evidence is relevant, what it links to in your argument, make an index of evidence um we got that from advice on representing yourself in court but it did work out very well in our ombudsman case and it seemed to be british gas did a similar thing their lawyers had an index of evidence so that's the thing to do um here's another thing so basically we got to make our argument and upload evidence but they don't really tell you how to do it so you can just you make your uh, your argument over the phone to the ombudsman they kind of write it out in a formal way for you and then they go just upload you know evidence when you have it upload it to the system but 
I think it encourages most people to just throw anything you've got at the system. We have to really think about it. Um, next, once they have that, they, they present that to British Gas or whatever the company is. And then they have a chance to upload their arguments and the evidence. And then there's this note bit on the system. So once they uploaded their evidence, we get to make notes on it. And the, so there's a space to make notes on the evidence. Um, and I would really say make use of it. So after I uploaded the evidence, we went through and anything we disagreed with or anything that we felt that their evidence was actually backing up our side. We was like, thank you for backing up our side. As you can see, this points to argument three. And so, um, yeah, do that. Um, but British Gas were really flimsy without, basically the argument was they uploaded they hid a lot of evidence. They'd never uploaded the recordings of our calls. What we could see was the notes made on the system didn't back up the amount of calls we made or what we were saying was saying in the calls. They missed out the f fact that we was asking for a meter from a new meter from October. They missed out loads of calls we made. And the good thing is we had, we uploaded our um, call logs from our phone company so you could see how many calls we made as opposed to their system, how many calls were there. But basically the argument was they didn't really argue against anything we said. Some of it they, they agreed with, some of it they ignored. And some of it they said it wasn't their fault, other stuff they ignored. And they really didn't really make a very good argument at all. Um, and then they offered £50 goodwill gesture and an apology. It's like, well, it doesn't replace the meter or it doesn't really solve the problem it seemed a really flimsy argument but at the same time that made me panic loads because they do this a lot more than me the old investment and they have lawyers and so it made me worry like maybe they're really confident that's what it needs to win so it was really worrying but it turns out they were just whatever they're making in billions of pounds of profit they did not put into their lawyers to fight the cases on ombudsman um, but my final piece of advice is, before starting any action, ask yourself these questions. Number one, do you truly believe what the company is doing is morally and legally wrong? Do you truly believe that? Two, can you objectively point to specific things that back this up? Are there specific events or actions taken by the company at, at that back it up or is it just like a belief in your soul? And number three, can you evidence these incidents? So if you can answer yes to all those questions, then definitely go to Ombudsman. Um, but happy if you ever, if you're, I don't know if you have Ombudsman anywhere outside, if it's just a British thing, but if, and I probably, I'm not, number one, um, this isn't legal advice, I have to say it legally. I am not giving out legal advice, I'm not a trained a lawyer. I think everyone listening to this podcast knows, but I'm just gonna state that legally. So any advice I'm giving you is not legal advice, it's just on my own personal experience. Um, I know loads, and there's people who are having their house broken into and a prepay meter's put in, which means you have to put coins in the meter or now pay it on your phone before you, your electricity will cut off. There's absolute court cases, people are being like homeless from this stuff and middle class people in the UK it's absolutely horrendous what is happening with these energy companies and they've made the biggest profits ever this year despite prices going up through the roof they're blaming it on Ukraine and yet they've made that there's huge bonuses to their CEO they've made billions of pounds of profit so obviously the prices are going up no matter what and I can't help you with that but if there's any way at all that you think you've been wrongly treated and you can evidence that I would really recommend fighting this not enough people do it but make sure you're organized put your all into it organize your time wisely and then switch off when you're not working on it don't have sleepless nights and I did have a few sleepless nights but try not to work against that um we also do have the option we can also take it to a no win no fee lawyer and get the maximum compensation more than what we got now as i stand right now and as the boy stands we are currently thinking we have six years to decide on that because that's how long you have to 
still on this sort of stuff but as we stand we feel like we've not lost anything financially now and things have been sorted and we don't really see the point in like a lot more time spent on this kind of anger and arguments um just for the sake of more money um obviously more money is always nice but we feel like we're not out of pocket anymore and we're not living with sort of the fear of this faulty meter and stuff but technically we could go further and get more compensation but as we where we feel right now we we don't need it and we'd rather spend our time in positive ways rather than chasing what we think we're owed so um yeah we had no idea what we were doing we approached it methodically british guests as i say they provide a very flimsy argument but if you do want any advice i'm just a sounding board and i'm not an expert at all i'm someone who's done one ombudsman case in my entire life but i did win it and apparently that's extremely rare um i've spoken to other people who are fighting and they say it's extreme everyone knows apparently you do not win the ombudsman against british gas but we won it maybe it's a fluke maybe because it's such a the ombudsman also they're meant to just put on system but they did contact us and get our consent they wanted to make sure it was okay with the um the judication because apparently it's a really really this was such a bad case of it like what british gas had done and they felt bad they couldn't trace all the money back to 2014 because and they felt they could do more and we could go to um take it to the claims court on a no win no fee we could go further basically they felt that we deserve a lot more but it's the maximum of what they could do and also they've run it through all the systems they've taken it to the highest part of ombudsman so british gas can't even appeal this decision but it was really rare to get a phone call because when they phoned me up they were like yeah we, we've made a decision we just wanted to explain our decision before we like upload it so, and i was giving boy the boy like funny eyes because we had it on speaker and i was mouthing we've lost we've lost that like, no one like, you know the the we just need to like it sounded like I'd been diagnosed with cancer the way they were speaking so I think they felt we deserved a lot more and we deserved an explanation but we were just so surprised to we've heard you don't win and we're surprised to have won and we're, we're happy to not I mean these this company is vicious and we're happy to not have them take what they felt they were that we're not replacing your meter yes it's totally screwed yeah we're gonna take whatever penny we get we're, we're estimating these bills now we've been estimating for the last six months and we're going to continue to that's basically the attitude of us what we say you owe us you owe us and you pay us <laughs> and it's just it's like well i'm happy to pay what i use like a normal company it's like I don't know it's like going to a dress shop and going how much that was whatever I tell you is but the thing is on a dress shop you can walk out and go somewhere else what do you do with electricity so there you go that's the end of my podcast um just bits and bobs are going on in my life right now interesting stuff hopefully to some people it's interesting to me thank you for listening to season six of my podcast I'm Hannah Warmer and this is the Rosin Diaries